This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. Well, this week, the Premier League resumes after the latest international break. The slate features eight games on Saturday, seven minus money favorites, six picks from our handicappers. From five games previewed, the top four are separated by just the three points, while the odds for the top two in the futures market suggest that the contest for the title will not be a one-horse race. This is Betting Weekly Premier League show. you with myself, Dan Robert, while Nigel Seelett and Jack Wright are here to count you down through the best bets. Nigel, uh, you're back from Wembley just about. <laughs> just about, yeah. I mean, that place, what a joke that is. <laughs> I don't know if it's me getting old or miserable <laughs> or it's like it is a joke. Hang on, hang joke. on, hang on, nap, go on, continue. Well, yeah, I just <laughs> but everywhere I go now in the evening, I'll get in the ump with people. I've just come to the conclusion I don't like people. You know, that that's it. <laughs> I like dogs. I like dogs. dogs. I like animals. I just don't like people. <laughs> Wembley, oh, getting out of there. Oh, Jesus. Honestly, it was it was it was it was diabolical. But um obviously hopefully. I'm going to say, hopefully, you took Daniele's advice on the international no, show and and, no. and, ca- and cashed the ticket. He went against his his country there. I mean, that's that's I, you know that's going the extra yard. I didn't. He's I didn't do anything. No, I didn't do. Um, I didn't do anything. I, I, I bet that over the bookings, which I thought was looking a good. Bet oh, mate, you're unlucky minutes. with that. You're but then I just that. thought I thought that um, when England got the third goal, it, it fizzled out. But these two, this this young man here, had a little word <laughs> with him. Had a little word with him. <laughs> <laughs> I told him what the to gallery. do. There he is. There he is. Yeah. Did you, you give him some advice? Man. You two don't listen to this man. You listen to this man and look at him now. Legend. Legend. Says a lot. He's there with Moore and Pele. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Mm, interesting. I mean, he's a fantastic player. Look, let's bring it back to the Premier League. Have we got a title race, um, Nigel? Um, City. I've lost the last two in the EPL. They're minus 137 for the title. We talked about this right at the start of the season. Like you want to back City. You want to wait until at some stage in the autumn. We all thought that that they would drop points and potentially be a bigger price. They're a bigger price. Yeah, 100%. I think they go plus money at some stage, um, probably. But then they go, they're the team that hit that run, didn't they? They're the one team that you know going to end the season strong, 15 matches unbeaten or something like that, and probably grind everyone down that's what they do uh they usually do last season they did suffer the same kind of blip this kind of year went into the new year as well arsenal were favorites at some stage but uh, I, I i just don't think it's a two-runner race I, I think liverpool will still make a part of it i've been very keen on liverpool i think they, they're, they're in touching distance with a lot of new faces got some big matches coming up the fact they're not in the champions league helps them enormously for me Arsenal, we've seen that uh, they struggled in the Champions League in their last match. So that's going to take some pressure on them. They've got a big match this weekend. I'm not quite convinced by them this weekend as well. So yes, 100% we have a, a title race. We haven't even mentioned Tottenham as well, who are right in the mix as well. Arsenal plus 400, Liverpool plus 500, Spurs plus 1,100. Um, any value in the chasing pack at the minute, Jack? What do you think? 
not for me. I've always wanted to get on Manchester City, want to get them on side. I can't see them not winning this title again. As we've said, it's a it's a patience thing. It's a waiting game. It looked at the start of the season. We wouldn't be able to do that. But, uh, you know, a tricky banana skin this weekend, haven't they? They've got Brighton. If Brighton can go and beat Manchester City, Nigel's talking about them going plus money. They're going to be knocking on the door of that if the other results kind of go against them. So, you know, another win for Tottenham. They've got an easier home game. Um, and then, you know, if Arsenal can beat Chelsea, Liverpool um, as well in that Merseyside derby. So, um, yeah, this could be a very, very interesting weekend. And we're starting to get into the realms where we can actually unload on um, on Manchester City, but not quite yet. But by the way, are you on the set of Return of the Jedi there? Is that like some sort of lightsaber <laughs> behind you? <laughs> it is, yeah. They're just having a little spa behind me. But, uh, we'll be okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll, do, we'll take off in 45 minutes. So we'll oh, okay. Wonderful. Uh, right, we're going to kick things off with the Merseyside derby. Um, this is a 7.30 Eastern game on Saturday morning. So um, get up early if you're watching this one. I suspect many will be. Um, just on the money line, Nigel, before we get your play here. I mean, Liverpool have been backed just over the last sort of 24 hours, really. The minus 335 here. Everton plus 800 now. The latest price is the draw plus 500. A lot on social media over the course of the last week saying that Everton should be higher at the table. A lot of the metrics suggesting they've actually got more points or should have more points than, than Liverpool. Their schedule has been kind, but that's very short Liverpool, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, they are a traditionally very heavily bet team. If you look at Liverpool's form, you know, the match against Tottenham, they were a little bit unlucky, not to, well, very unlucky not to get the result there. And I think that's fresh in the in the, in the in the betters' minds as well. Uh, they're a fashionable team. They're a public play. Everton aren't a public play. We all know they've got their problems. Most of their problems are at home, though, rather than away. So their home form is the one that lets them down. They've also got that takeover bid that isn't going through sailingly. I mean, there's a lot of sort of uncertainty about that. Maybe that's been an effect in, in betters' minds as well. But you would expect Liverpool to win this. I mean, their record in the in the derbies is pretty solid as well. So that that goes for them as well. So, you know, you usually turn around and say the form book goes out the window in derbies, but it hasn't really done that <laughs> in recent years in this fixture at all. So on the money line, yes, they are very short. I wouldn't bet them. There's certainly no way I'd bet them at minus, minus 330. Um, but the, the, where they where they have a big advantage over, over Everton is... is in goal scoring positions. I mean, they've got, they've got goals in them and Everton are really struggling for goals. So, and you know, the other thing I would say about this match before you play on the money line, I'm going to come on to a different bet here is a lot of players are returning back from Europe, uh, from international football. And, you know, a lot of the Everton players are English players, which I'm going to mention a little bit more or home-based players who didn't travel. Whereas the Liverpool team have traveled from all over the globe. It's an early kickoff as well. So that's going to affect Liverpool, which is a big negative if you're going to bet them at minus 330 or whatever the price is now. So bear that in mind. I don't. I think Liverpool will have enough quality. I think they'll be able to bring players off the bench in play to win it. But that isn't where my betting angle is. No, it's not. I mean, if you're my age and Nigel's as well, to a certain extent, you'll remember all the Merseyside FA Cup finals from a, from the 80s and the League Cup finals and the... Charity Shields, as it was, this was always called the friendly derby, but you're going in a different direction here because it has been feisty, Nigel. Yes, it has. I mean, I, I always come on here and I give you little snippets of um, of things over the years and stuff like that. And there's something that is quite pertinent to me in, in this, pointed to me in this this thing here, in this match, in my th theory here. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm going to have a bet on the bookings. So I'll give you the logic of the bookings in a minute. But um I remember when I very first started working in the spread betting business so about 20 odd years ago now. And the, the, the Merseyside Derby and the Glasgow Derby, could you could never get the, the bookings line high enough. People would just pay for the bookings. I remember I remember um, Merseyside Derbies where they'd be going off around about seven, seven 
seven bookings over and under seven. You used to get the the uh, the Rangers Celtic club used to go off in about eight 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 bookings a match, and it used to cash over cash. And then a, a soccer trader who was a, a very good soccer trader who's gone on to work for one of the big syndicates noticed that when there was more foreigners playing in the matches and there wasn't so homegrown players like the British players or, or the Irish players, the line went down. And he used to think it was that they never realised the importance of, of the fixtures when the when the, and they, they sort of gradually went down. And you look at this match here, and I'm looking at Everton. Everton have 10, nine of their players, sorry, who played at the weekend were English. So this is an Everton side. They've got more English players than any other team. Two players on the bench were English as well. So they could field a whole entire English side. A lot of them are local boys. They're, they're struggling at the bottom of the table and they will know the importance of this fixture. So that that was one interesting thought, thought process that the, the, the Everton team is based up of local players, English boys, Northern players who know how big this match is. So that is a huge factor. Liverpool side, obviously not so all around the globe. But then we look at the referee. Um, Paulson is the referee, Craig Paulson here. He's refereed um, eight matches this season, 40 cards, one red, averaging 5.12 per game. Uh, in the big matches uh, in the Champions League, he gave six yellow cards, Everton against Wolves, seven, eight and nine. So the big matches he's given over five and a half. This is the biggest match of the season that he's been involved in. Um, so the line is five and a half here. It's plus money over. I'm going to play the over five and a half. Traditionally, over history, this match has more red cards than any other fixture in the Premier League. It's gone down in over recent years. If you look at the matches over the period of time, in the last 10 matches, it averages 4.6 cards per game, which I mean, maybe it probably is sort of levels itself into the price. 4.6 per game over history, 5.12 for the referee, minus money on under five and a half over five and a half plus money sort of probably works out about right. But the fact that Everton are all homegrown players, all lads who Calvert-Lewin is a local lad, a lot of local lads in there who need the win, who will go to and uh, go to Anfield pumped up on the back of their biggest result of the season. The match before they should have beaten Luton easy, should have put the amount of chances. They're creating chances, not scoring. They'll go there in confident mood. They need the win. I think this will be a feisty one. I'm going to go for over five and a half bookings at plus 118. So it's a big money, money uh, plus money price. And the reason why a lot of homegrown players playing at Everton and the stats back it up as well. Uh, Jack, you're a regular cards player. You've had some good picks over the course of the season already. What are the sort of deciding factors for you when you're looking at a bet like this? Is it the referee? Is it the occasion like a double we've got here? Or or is it just the averages of the, of the two teams? What, what tips it one way or the other for you? I think it's a combination of those things, but um, you want the perfect storm, of course, don't you? But I think when you look at uh, the fixture list, you'll, you'll identify two or three games that you think could well have a few cards. Obviously, the Merseyside derby is going to be right at the top of that list. Um, and then you just need a referee that that you like. There'll, there'll be games that I wouldn't play based on a referee um, because he's just uh, back in the day, not too distant past. But Martin Atkins would be a perfect example that if he was given even the most, like the feistiest, imagine him going to an old firm derby and keeping his cards in his pocket. So it would be enough to put me off. But Paulson is one of the ones that you would suggest is normally up there or thereabouts um, and would certainly be a green light for me to go ahead with a bet. There is a very quirky stat for him, and I know you like a quirky stat, on uh, his cards when in charge of Liverpool. Do you know the last time he gave six or more cards in a Liverpool game? Long time ago, because I, I, uh, I looked at the records of it. Yeah, 2017, uh, 15, 2015, uh, Sunderland away. And he went with um, eight cards in that game. Um, and 
has he refereed many since then? Yeah, 30. So 30 games have gone since he's gone six over. But he's got the opposite record for Everton. So uh, hopefully we'll have the um, say the dark side of him come out here and say this one's got all the makings for it. As Nigel said, right, feisty clash. Sunday afternoon, a few tired legs from international duty as well. So bring on the cards. Just one other thing as well. That I did say it was Saturday, Sunday afternoon, as I said. But the other thing is the um, Liverpool have, have got more red cards than any other team in the Premier League this season. Four yeah. red cards already, which is very un unlike a Liverpool. And so uh, they are, they're not as nice as they used to be. A little bit feisty, a little bit, a little bit in your face. New signings are coming, change the dynamic of the side a little bit. So they're a little bit punchy. And uh, I, I think when you think about how um, you know Klopp has been sort of, sort of quite vocal about the Tottenham match and things that have gone against him this season, I think they'll be right up for this match. Yeah, they flood forward, don't they? So they're stretched. The game's stretched, and you, you're resulting in, in in people making challenges they don't necessarily want to make. So I think that lends itself perfectly for Liverpool cards, especially. Uh, let's move on to uh, Bournemouth against Wolves. We've got another pick from uh, Nigel here. This is uh, three p.m. local, ten a.m. Uh, Saturday. Wolves unbeaten in three. Bournemouth looking a little bit out of their depth. Nigel. I mean, plus one seventy five to be relegated here. That might tempt one or two betters. Yeah, I mean, um, Jack confused me there because it says Sunday afternoon. I thought I made a mistake. I just checked this Saturday morning. This yeah, I was just checking that myself. Yeah, Saturday lunchtime Usually, me makes all the. I, I usually <laughs> get all Saturday? days wrong and the match is wrong. So I just, I just, just wrote a moment. I, just I mean, just on that. I mean, Jurgen Klopp complains about all those yeah. kickoffs because Liverpool haven't got a great record in those twelve thirty UK times. That you know, and it's it's an interesting one with the odds as they are. But with it being a Merseyside derby, I I think some of those. Some of that thought process, that narrative can be thrown out the window. Anyway, we'll find out Saturday morning. Let's move on to Bournemouth Wolves. Uh, relegation plus 175, value or not, or about right? I've been very keen on Bournemouth all season uh, as a relegation. I've always been very keen on the manager earlier to be the first sacked. I mean, he was. I was talking him up two or three weeks ago at 25 to 1. Yeah, no prices like at the moment. I looked at that. No odds. Yeah, on I mean, I'm really surprised that no one's gone in the in the international exactly right. break, yeah. you know, usually you would think that someone would go in the international break. It's a great time, bring them back like 10 days, two weeks off. And this, you know, this things aren't working a good time to get rid of a manager. No one's gone yet, but I think if Bournemouth lose this game, I think Irolia could be gone. Uh, I mean, he spent money, he spent an awful lot of money. It's just not working. And they are conceding goals like at a very, very alarming rate. And when you can see goals like that in the Premier League, you're banging trouble. I mean, the last three Premier League games, they've conceded 10 goals. Uh, which, which I know, I know. Admittedly, they played Everton, uh, Arsenal, and Brighton, but a three-nil defeat at Everton is a really, really bad defeat here. So I think, I think they're a side bad. I think they've they've recruited badly in terms of the players in in the summer. They've given a, a an inexperienced manager of the Premier League a lot of money to spend, and nothing. There's nothing I can see they've got better with an awful lot of money spending. They're a club that are really, really in trouble. The problem is they play Wolves. Now, Wolves is a side that I can never get a read on. I think there's a team... If, if I oppose Wolves like I did against Man City, they beat Man City. If I go with them, I can never read Wolves. And it hasn't been the case this season. It's been the case since they returned to the Premier League. I never could understand the attraction with them. But um, And I, and I, when I fade them, I get them wrong. But there is one important factor here, and it's obviously the, the manager. Gary O'Neill going back to Bournemouth. I mean, he'd be looking at what Bournemouth have done this this summer and, and laughing his head off, thinking, you know, why on earth did they get rid of me? I mean, he, how he lost his job is insane. And what they've done since then has gone completely backwards. So if that is the huge motivation 
for Gary O'Neill to go back to Bournemouth. And I expect him to have this side right up for this one. And on the form book, coming into it, they're playing well. I mean, the 2-1 win against Manchester City was a great result for them. Uh, a 1-1 draw of Aston Villa. We know Aston Villa are doing exceptionally well. So they're a club that, you know, many, including Jack and myself, thought they might struggle. I still think they they're struggle. But those four points in, those, in the last two matches are huge four points. And then they got to play Sheffield United away uh, in, uh, in a couple of weeks in Newcastle as well. So we'll know a lot more about their chances here. But in this match here, Gary O'Neill going back to his former club when his former club were in absolute crisis. His side are doing really well. Uh, I, I quite like him on the money line at two to one. I think two to one is a big price. I think they'll be bet. I, I think this will go off a little bit closer because Bournemouth is so negative. The other thing you've got to remember as well, and I'm going to mention it quite a lot, we are going to have a really wet Saturday here like a really wet Saturday over in England. It's going to be really wet, windy, blowy. That isn't the kind of conditions for Bournemouth fans. Bournemouth likes to play good, decent football. They're a bit powder puff in terms of that. You know, they're not a strong physical side. They're playing to Wolves fans. Wolves are a much more physical team who put it about a lot more than Bournemouth. So teams that aren't ready to mix it up, I think they're going to struggle this weekend. So I like... Uh, Wolves here. Uh, instead, I'm going to say play a little bit safe though. I'm not. Gonna, I wouldn't put anybody off taking on the money line at two to one, but I'm going to play them on the draw no bet uh, market, which is available on Bet Rivers on the Asian handicap with a zero. So it's a push if the match is a draw. But I'm going to take uh, uh, Wolves here at minus one ten. You know what? They've drifted a little bit. I mean, I looked before. You can get plus one twelve, um, which seems really good value because I was going to suggest to you, Nigel, and we, we're going to move on to Chelsea Arsenal in just a second. That I'm surprised you didn't go unders in this one at plus 107 because, as you mentioned, the weather's a factor and you tend to think whenever it is bad, I mean, this is mainly a rugby thing rather than a soccer thing, but I'd always like to go unders on a game like this if it's belting. The, the it problem is is that Bournemouth are conceding so many goals. Yeah, that, that, wor- that worries me. I think, I think that, you know, the try to test, if you're going to battle the unders, then the tried and tested formula of Wolves drawing at half time and the nil nil at half time is probably the play to have here because if it's going to go unders, it's going to go spectacular under. It's going to be nil nil or one nil for the last <laughs> kick of the game. It's not going to be a a one one draw with twenty two shots each in. But I think you might want to go for the big one if you're going to go unders. Play the nil nil or play nil nil at half time or, or draw at half time. But I I like I I just think that Wolves here on the form that we've seen coming in. I mean they've got some players playing really well. And Bournemouth just look a club in total mess at the moment. Yeah, I like I'm, I like two to one the the away win there. Oh, that's, anyway, the kiss, that's a kiss of death on that then. <laughs> that is the kiss of death on that. <laughs> oh dear, Chelsea Arsenal. Let's get some reasoning from Jack on this one. Chelsea are plus two thirty five. Arsenal have just drifted a little bit. Plus one thirty two. I was going to say Jack off the starting this preview. Uh, you know, Chelsea Chelsea fans think that they've turned the corner three straight wins, but Arsenal's win against City obviously was massive. I was going to say the money line feels about right. It still does, but if if Arsenal drift a little bit more here and get towards the sort of six to four plus 150 mark. I mean, that might be a bet. Just just briefly on the money line, does it look right to you? Yeah, I'd say about right. I make Arsenal just favourites here. I'm still not convinced by Chelsea. I think this is a litmus test for them. I think if they can get a positive result in this one, then we go, oh, hang on, Pochettino's getting a tune out of them now. Um, some players coming back as well. But um, I think Arsenal match up Chelsea really well in this game. Um, Sterling had a great game against Burnley, but I think Ben White, Saka, if he's fit, will double up on him and um, and snuff him out of it. And uh, I think is, as long as uh, Saliba releases Haaland from his uh, right back pocket, then I think he'll <laughs> one of the Chelsea forwards in there. No problem at all. So, yeah, I think... Interesting game. Um, I'd make Arsenal the marginal favourites from it. It's not one I'd really want to be playing on the money line, obviously, as I haven't. But um, yeah, yeah, I think uh, Jerry's still out on Chelsea. They've not beaten anyone significant for me yet. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. They're going to be inconsistent with a lot of young players. Let's get the play then here because you've both gone for the same play. But Jack, uh, stage is yours here to, to talk us through the bet. And I think, I mean, this could be one of the best bets of the weekend. It could be one that goes horribly wrong. I mentioned this to Nigel Affair earlier. Talk us through your play. Under two and a half goals, it is, yeah. And and this is based really on, on two very strong defences. In a big game, a London derby, um, which we normally say we mentioned the Merseyside derby. This is a London derby, not not the biggest driver of the clubs, but still a big game, and especially when you look at the context of the two sides, Arsenal undefeated and uh, looking to you know go one better than last season. And Chelsea, as we said, looking to continue that upward momentum. But um, everything's been built really around the defensive processes for both the two sides. Uh, I say as far as Chelsea is concerned, I think they've had a fairly kind fixture list and they've not done too much with it other than those last couple of games. And say Burnley have been atrocious this season. Uh, they beat them and Fulham, which I watched that game and, and they were awful. But um, yeah, I, I say I, I just feel that you know, Arsenal got a brilliant away record, uh, the best away record in the league since the start of last season. So they're going to go there with confidence, especially on the back of that Manchester City win. They haven't conceded the goal away from home yet. Uh, in the league this season, you look at their last the, since the start of last season, 22 away games played in the league, and uh, they've won 15 of them. But they've kept 13 clean sheets in that period of time, so they're only conceding 0.82 goals per away game. Um, and we know where Chelsea's problems are. It's Chelsea's problems are in attack; they're not scoring enough goals, or they certainly haven't been, especially against the bigger sides. Um, they've not scored in 13. Uh, Premier League games since the start of last, so since the start of the year, which is probably the, I think the highest of, of any side in the Premier League. Um, but despite their problems over the last well few months this season, the defence has been a fairly decent, um, say a decent process. They have uh, only conceded uh, less goal. Sorry, they only conceded more goals than um, Arsenal and Manchester City. So when you look at these two sides together, um, it just shows that this should be a real tight affair. Uh, and with both defences on top. Uh, I say I can probably see Arsenal just having a better uh, attack here, maybe edging it, but um, a, a low-scoring game for me. Low-scoring game for Jack. Nigel, you are similar of your thinking. Well, same as your thinking. Yeah, exactly the same. Uh, I mean, Chelsea struggled to score goals, particularly at home. Uh, they've had, suffered some shock defeats as well at home. Arsenal excellent on the road. As Jack said, not conceded. Four of, of the five Chelsea games at home this season, the Premier League have gone under two and a half goals. The only one that didn't was against Luton, as you would expect. Arsenal on the road, uh, one nil wins in three of their four matches. The only one that didn't go on, uh, but cashed over was against Bournemouth. I mean, the last two of the last three years, this match has been a one nil win for Arsenal. And I think it'd be the one nil to the Arsenal again. Yeah, as the kind of result I expect to happen. Uh, I think it's a tough test for Arsenal because Chelsea, after a poor start, have shown a little bit of signs of improvement under Pochettino. I think they're getting more of a settled side now. He knows the players he wants. He knows the system he wants to play. Arsenal, I think Saka makes a huge difference to the line. If Saka plays, then I think expect Arsenal to obviously be moving in that market. So it's a big team news if you're going to bet on the money line. But I, again, I, it's, this match is being played on Saturday evening, which is going to be the worst of the weather in London. The weather in London is terrible. Sunday's going to be nice. On Sunday, this, well, it's nice. It's going to be sunny and, and and dry but I think there's going to be a lot of wind and a lot of rain around and I think that will really have an effect on this match here Um, so yes I agree uh, with him and I, I do harp on about the weather quite a lot but I think the weather is a very very undervalued 
key in, in a lot of betting, especially in, in gold markets and, and rugby, as we said, their total points and, and American football. You know, you look at the weather forecast in American football. And I think with the wind, the wind as well added in, I think it's going to be a real tough, and especially more so in the English lower leagues, I think, you know, with the open stadiums and, and you know, more more wind getting in. I think they, they, they're going to see a lot of games now going back to revert into the to the unders rather than the overs this weekend. But this is the only unders for me. Chelsea-Arsenal, I think it's a derby. I think it's a huge game. Both teams will come in with a little bit of confidence on the back of three successive wins in the Premier League. Uh, and I think this will be very close. Any argument, Jaff, for both teams to score no here, plus 110, a bit bigger in terms of the price yeah, than any, minus 108? Yeah, if you want to be more aggressive, I'd suggest that that's um, a decent play. Like we said, Arsenal yet to concede away from home and Chelsea's attack problems have been well-documented. Saliba and um, Gabriel together at the back. We mentioned it a few weeks ago that it was going to be a bit of a turning point that they kept hold of Gabriel after that transfer talk. And I think having those two together really solidifies that um, that side and they look really, really strong. Both fullbacks, I think, Zinchenko, if he's on the left-hand side against probably Cole Palmer, played with him at Manchester City. So I think we'll know his game and we'll have his number marked white on the other side against Sterling. And it's going to be an interesting battle in midfield. But I think with um, Rice, possibly Partey coming back to firm it up and uh, Odegaard, I think um, Arsenal just edge it. But yeah, I, I, I agree. I think uh, if you want to go a little bit more aggressive, then that no is a, is a definite play at plus money. The interesting point on Partey played in both of Ghana's internationals, didn't play the full game. I think that was pre-planned and it wouldn't surprise me if, if Arsenal went a little bit safety first with Partey and, and Rice, but we'll see. Uh, two more picks from, from Jack to come. We've got Villa West Ham next. This is Sunday, 11.30 uh, Eastern. Two teams, of course, in action in Europe the following midweek. Uh, Jack here, but, but Villa, although in the... Europa League or Conference League group stages haven't quite got it right. They were very lucky against the Bosnian side last time out, but their preparation, they seem to have it right because they've been good ahead of European games. How do you see this one? They have. They've been phenomenal. So anyone here that's a fan of historical head-to-heads and uh, data like that, well, will not like this pick at all because I'm going with Aston Villa to win this. They've not won any of the last 10 meetings between the two sides, but I'm going to take them to put it right this time round. That's a good start. I didn't know that. They've not beaten West Ham for the last 10. No, no, they haven't. No, I think it's one win in 14. So, the um, say, and Blue Derby. Yeah, they're, not, they're not, uh, not good at all, but I can't overlook the work that Unai Emery's done at, um, at Villa. He's been absolutely sensational. I dug into a little bit of the data since he arrived at the club. We're getting close to a full season's worth of games of him in charge now. He's had 33 games there. So obviously our full Premier League season 38. So it's a good yardstick to see how he's comparing. He's won 20 of those 33 games, only lost eight. They've picked up the fourth highest amount of points, 65 points in that run. And that's only behind Man City, Arsenal and Liverpool. So on the best part of a full season's worth of data, he'd be up there in the Champions League places. And considering they were in or around the relegation zone when he took over, it's been stunning work. And at Villa Park, he's made it a complete fortress. Done superb work there. It's one of those grounds that we like. We've talked about the old school grounds before that are packed full of, you know, 40-odd, 50,000 fans in there, but kind of one of those old-school stadiums that gets a cracking atmosphere going, and they're loving it. Under Emery, since he's been there, they won 12 of his 16 league games in charge, and only Man United, Man City, Liverpool and Arsenal have got better home records, and I think that's quite key when we come to look at the price in a moment on this one, um, to how it compares. Um, Villa have only picked up one point less than Arsenal since Emery's been in charge at home, but have played two games less 
So it shows you, say, the company that they are keeping. Scoring plenty of goals, average 2.38 goals per home game as well, which is the fourth best. Um, so the, the stats keep supporting the fact that this isn't a flash in the pan. They've won 10 successive home league games. This isn't just a thing that's happened this season. It's been built up since he's been at the club. So phenomenal record. Um, they're fifth in the table currently. So they've got eyes on on you know those Champions League places. And yes, They've got distractions coming. We'll have to see how it pans out. But as it stands currently, you know, they're only two points off third. Um, but they've only played three home games as well. So um, started a season that horrendously away, didn't they? Got beat 5-1 by, uh, by Newcastle and also lost to Liverpool. But around that have been sensational uh, and scoring, scoring plenty of goals. Those three home games, they've scored 13 goals and only conceded two. So the processes are right at both ends of the pitch. It's not just a case of outscoring them. As I said, they've won their last 10 successive. 27 goals scored, four goals conceded. So that's the, the, the what they're doing. So they're getting it right at both ends of, of the pitch. Um, they've kept six clean sheets in those games as well. So it's been been fantastic. And the thing that in this matchup, I thought West Ham have been doing quite well. You know, you look at them in the table, doing pretty well. Um, away form, not bad either. Um, but they're very surprisingly been involved in lots of goals. 27 goals so far this season in West Ham games. That's an average of 3.38. Um, and that kind of concerned me. Uh, only one clean sheet so far. Oh, so it didn't concern me because I'm back in Villa. So it actually kind of pleased me to see that. And you look at their away form. They started with a draw at Bournemouth. We've talked about Bournemouth a couple of times already. It sounded like quite a solid point initially. Doesn't look quite so sexy now. Um, picking up a point there. Um, the standout result, obviously, was the one against Brighton. But I just think that was a perfect clash of styles that they exploited Brighton. And the one that catches my eye for this bet is the fact they went to Liverpool and got beat 3-1. Um, what they're, what they're doing is just I'm giving up lots and lots of chances um, at West Ham. Um, their expected goals against is the only the bottom four have um, thrown up more chances than them. And if this gets into a shootout, I just think Villa have got it covered. They've got Watkins, who's already got two hat-tricks already this season and scored on international duty, so his confidence is sky high. And I, so I just think that this side, with the likes of Diaby, Bailey, Zaniolo, Cash and Dino, as far as the wing-backs are concerned, are perfectly suited to this style. I think they'll go there um, and, and, and put on a great show at Villa Park. The final point is that uh, just check the odds for this season. Brighton went off at minus 200 against West Ham. Liverpool went off at minus 256. And we've seen where Villa compare as far as their, um, their, their home stats are concerned with those two clubs. And we're getting on board here at minus 108, which I think is the definite shade of value. They went off at plus 113 last season in the same fixture with Steven Gerrard in charge when they were at the bottom of the league. So this one for me looks like a nice price based on historical stats over the course of Emery's reign. Love it. Really nice uh, stats there, Villa. Uh, you've persuaded me at minus 108 to beat West Ham. Just briefly, Nigel, on West Ham with this half-time record that they've got. They're top of, of the table if, if games just lasted 45 minutes. Uh, five wins from eight games, three draws. They're plus 280 to be leading at half-time. I'm not suggesting that people play, but just in general, it's a bet that you look at that the half-time in a lot of bookmakers now have the half-time prices. You mentioned it briefly uh, with Wolves. Is, is it a market that you look at? Can you get a bit of value in it? Is this West Ham thing just a bit of an anomaly, do you think, at the minute? I would think it's a normally at the moment. I mean, I, the, the Wolves one is is consistent over four, three or four seasons. You know, the draw comes in very regularly and when it's like plus 130. And, and it's also comes in higher when they play a lesser opposition. So I've won a little bit more data than than that. I mean, uh, you, 
you know, what their what their their fixtures this season, you know, they haven't really run into many many tough ones yet, have they? I mean, they played, played Man City and Liverpool, and they they they've lost both of them quite heavily. So I'm sure they were losing those at the time. So they were probably winning against teams they would expect it to be winning against. So uh, for me, I want a little bit more data than that. So it wouldn't rule anyone off it. But uh, if Jack fancies Villa. We're, we're all with Villa, aren't we? Yes, absolutely. No, we're weighing with Villa. Uh, one more game to look at, uh, Jack. It's the London Derby. This is uh, Monday night football for us in the UK, 3pm Eastern. Spurs against Fulham, minus 200. Spurs, Fulham, plus 510. Draw, plus 370. London Derby, of course, Jack, I mean, in my mind, minus 200 doesn't seem the worst, but I know we don't put up things very, very short. But for those that like to go short, I mean, Fulham aren't going to give Spurs a game, or are they? Just brief, in fact, briefly, both of you on the money line. Jack on the money line. Yeah, too short to be uh, certainly tipping. Um, I, I fancy Spurs to win. So if that's your your cup of tea, yeah, um, get involved. But I, I think using the Asian handicaps and getting a little bit of edge um, on it is is the way forward. Okay, but, we'll get yeah. you. We'll, we'll get your Asian pick in a sec. Nigel, would you back about minus two? If you just wanted a nice a nice bet on a, on a short price. <laughs> I think this is Tottenham, isn't it? Tottenham. <laughs> like we, we saw Tottenham last season lose at home to Burnley, didn't they? A couple of times when they were on a big run, and some they they were, I think they got beat by Southampton last season as well when they were. That's a no, big, then. I, no, I just think that you've got your fingers burnt so many times on Tottenham. I know uh, the, the manager's come in and he's won the manager of the month for the back-to-back months, but I wouldn't bet him. No, I want, I, want, I want a bit more than that. All right, much more. Are they material? Want. Sorry? Yeah, yeah, possibly, yeah. If you were looking at a parlay, you'd throw them in. I think if they're going to win it, Tottenham are going to win it hands down. So I think you want to bet the Asian handicap rather than take them with the minus. Speaking of which, Jack, you've got the Asian handicap play. Yeah, I've got minus one. Well done, Nigel. You're learning. (laughs) (laughs) Read the the script. Nice work. Uh, Yeah, minus one Asian handicap. (laughs) So what we've got here is obviously Tottenham to win minus one on the Asian handicap. So um, we need our um, need them to win by two or more goals. Um, if they do win by a single goal, then we do get a full refund on our money as we expect them to win. But um, yeah, we're, we're looking for them to put a little bit of daylight between them and Fulham. Seen Fulham recently. They were awful against Chelsea. Uh, I saw the highlights of that Sheffield United win. Freaky game deflections and cannons off crossbars off the back of people's necks and uh, hamstring pulls when in possession. It was just mental. So not much can be read into that. And it is Sheffield United who are all over the place at the moment. But yeah, for me, Spurs, six wins and eight, only one of two unbeaten sides in the league, of course. Postacoglu is the poster campaign for all that's great in the Premier League at the moment. He's come in and absolutely grabbed it by storm. I saw him wheeled out in front of the Australians ahead of their game against Wembley. So as a motivational speech and uh, all that kind of stuff. So he is certainly flavour of the month at the moment. And fair play, he's absolutely turned Spurs around from that side that we saw that was cautious, uh, back foot and reactive. They're now a front foot side. They love to press. Um, we have a stat, um, which is kind of a newish stat. I'm not sure how long it's been around, but it's one that I've kind of caught on onto this this sort of season, which is field tilt, which basically um, with so many sides playing possession. Leave it out. It basically means we've seen these sides. Where's that, that red card? Is that red card? No, got a red card. Sides that play possession and knock it around at the back. It doesn't really matter, does it? But <laughs> what Spurs are doing. Is I love it. I love I love the new metrics. Come on, field tilt. I'm I'm not even a yellow, straight red. Straight red for field tilt. Two for you've come in. You've come in two footed with a field tilt there. Field tilt. (laughs) 
I'd mentioned it in passing, it'd slide by, but definitely not. Pawson's got his card out up the top left there, and I'm done for. But uh, it basically what it highlights is that they're actually having possession in the final third rather than just knocking it around pointlessly at the back, like some sides do to stats and um, pad some stats. But I say Postacoglu's done sensational work there. Um, you know, the new signs have come in and, and have hit the ground running. We talked about Madison a lot, but um, I think also that you, you, you look at the goalkeepers come in and has helped them with our style of play. I think that a struggle with Larice. Well, definitely would have struggled with Larice still in, in between the sticks for um, the way they want to play, and also his shot stopping has gone downhill as well. So um, those sort of things that have done well. He's also got the best out of the players that he's inherited and put them into a system that's worked superbly well. So um, you know they're, they're they're not making errors. They're playing out from the bat. They're playing exactly the way he wants them to play, and and uh, and, and they're finding ways to win. You know they've. Uh, found themselves in sticky situations and they've, they've come out on top of it. Yes, they've had a little bit of a rubber green, but um, we all need that. Um, and I say, I think they're playing a Fulham side here that are, are, are pretty poor, to say the least. You know, again, I watched them against Chelsea and they're awful. Um, Fulham's record in London derbies is terrible. They've not won any of the last 10. They've lost six of those and they failed to score in seven of them. So on that basis, if that run continues here, and I say they're missing Mitrovic terribly. So I wouldn't be surprised. In fact, I can't see him scoring in this one. Um, so it does bring other bets into play if you look on like a win to nil scenario as well. But uh, the Asian handicap is the safer option for me. I say again against this um, Fulham side, I think with a, a vibrant Spurs, who obviously are top of the table, they probably won't be come kickoff. But if they are, then obviously they've got a massive opportunity to um, extend that lead at the top. So regardless, though, a huge atmosphere uh, expected on Monday night in London. Um, it'll be terrible. I'm not sure what the tube and transport links will be like, but um, stay away, probably, Nigel, rather than go, go into that, that one. But, that's um, another terrible stadium you get yeah. out of Tottenham. Don't get me started on that. Oh, you it's can get out of it. You've just, you just got to walk for about eight hours before you get to the oh, Tuesday. Awful place. Yeah. Uh, the final point on it is Spurs' record against Fulham is is exceptional. So, um, you know, they've got won seven of the last eight meetings between the two sides. And so they're in the best shape at this moment in time And uh, against the Fulham side. Let's say they've been, they've been poor throughout the course of the season. They're relying on Willian, as a, who's kind of coming to the end of his career more than anything else. So everything points towards Tottenham, um, you know, the momentum shift uh, there. And, and so I'm taking them to win and win pretty well. That is Tottenham uh, giving a goal start on the Asian handicap. So a 1-0 win for Spurs. That would be a push, but a big win you will collect at minus 129. That's the final play. Let's get some best bets before we sign off. Uh, Nigel, what's the best play over the course of week nine of the EPL? Well, I've been in shocking form. I was in shocking form last week, last time, before the international break. So hopefully the international break does me good uh, so we can recover some of our bad run that I've been on. But I think... The, the Gary O'Neill factor for me, Bournemouth draw no bet. I mean, you you said Derek's got up to plus one twelve. That was minus one oh eight, yeah. I think he was. Yeah. The fact that the money has come for uh, for Wolves. Sorry, I said Bournemouth. But Wolves draw no bet here against Bournemouth. Um, Wolves are in great form. I just think Wolves going back. Manager sacked by unfairly sacked by Bournemouth. I think he's going to get revenge, and uh, I like that on the draw no bet. And I think that win will spark the end for Aurelio at Bournemouth. Uh, Jack, what's your best play? I will go with Spurs. Yeah, minus one Asian handicap. I think they have too much for Fulham. Although the Villa one, yeah, draws it close. I like both of them a lot. But yeah, Spurs just edge it for me. Good stuff. Nigel Jack, thanks for your company. Good luck with your picks. That is a wrap for week nine of Betting Weekly Premier League show. Stay across all of the picks and content via at Because We Win from all of us for this week, though. It is goodbye. <laughs>